0: Hey, everybody, my name is Tyler. I'm the student pastor here at FCC. Welcome to our podcast. We're glad you joined us. Let's get into the word. All right. Well, good morning, church. Uh. Man, it's such a good morning. God is so faithful. Uh, I, I just love everything that's happening. I love, I love that this is the day that the Lord has made that we get to rejoice and be glad in it. And um, so I just want you guys, to, and we've done this before, but just do the Superman in the phone booth and just kind of open up your hearts. Come on, do it. Some of y'all need to move. You probably moved all week. Just open up your hearts. Open up your hearts. And say, Holy Spirit. Pour in, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you didn't have your coffee or you didn't want to open up your heart, that's okay. That's okay, I still love you. There's nothing you can do about it, okay? Um. So we've been journeying through the Bible, we're talking about God's story and our story, Uh. and... We've said this several times that when you read the word of God, you should be able to see yourself in that story. The Holy Spirit should be showing you something uh, that God is saying. And I love what, what John said, uh, God, how do you approve of me today? How do you approve of me today? And so the reason why you can ask that question is because he approves of you every single day. And that's so good because a lot of times we don't approve of ourselves. A lot of times we walk around in guilt and shame and condemnation, and that's not the will of God for our lives. Amen. So so make that a practice. Make that part of your your prayer repertoire. Father, how do you approve of me today? Amen. All right. So we've been talking. uh, we, We talked about the Garden of Eden. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham. Um, and, and some stuff in between. And so today we're gonna to talk about Esau and Jacob. How many of y'all know Esau and Jacob? Where y'all know him from? Did they grow up on your block? Yeah, man, Esau, man, you know what I'm saying? He was real hairy, man. He used to have dreads like, man, yeah, man. And Jacob, he was like, he was, you had to watch him because he was like real conniving, bro, you feel me? Like if, if it was like 2023 when the Bible was written, like that's, that's what it would say was <laughs> like Esau was mad hairy, smelled kind of a way. And all right. OK, OK. All right. So y'all wake up a little bit. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit just to catch us up. So in Genesis chapter 12, God makes Abram at, the, at this time a promise that his descendants or his kids uh, would, would be more then the, the sand on the seashore would be more uh, than the stars in the sky. In other words, he was going to have so many kids that he wouldn't be able to count them all, right? And at this time, Abram is 75 years old. 75 years old. We got any 75-year-olds in the house, all right? My man, yeah. So, so that, <laughs> Ron, God comes to you and say, bro, you and wifey, y'all going to have a whole bunch of churn, all right? Um, and so, so in the natural, Abram is like, man, this, okay, I believe you God, but this is like, I'm 75, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Sarah, Sarah, her, her ovaries have already like, you know what I'm saying? They chucked the deuces a long time ago. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) her eggs was like way beyond price, you know? Like, okay. So that was an egg joke for y'all that, you know, okay. Okay. Um, so it was an impossible situation in the natural, but God made a promise. Everybody say, God made, a God made a promise. Everybody say, when God says something, God says something it, has it, has it has to happen. Let that sink in like some good grade lotion. When God says something, it has to happen. As a Jesus follower, you have to absolutely know what God is saying and what he has said. His word cannot return to him void. What that means is if he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Period. Amen. Amen. If you don't, we could, we could, we could, we could close the Bibles up, you know, shut your tablet down, turn your phone off, and we could leave on that. If God said it, it has to happen. All right. So let me get a little clockish in the back because if y'all don't give me a clock, you will be here too. <laughs> Daphne said, amen. <laughs> we got brunch to do, bro. Don't be up there all day. All right. That's my sister from another mister. All right. All right. So, so, um, so God makes Abraham this promise. Uh, then so Abraham tries to speed up the process, has a baby with uh, Hagar, uh, his wife's servant. His name was Ishmael, but that wasn't the promise. He wanted to bring the promise through his own loins and through, through Sarah's womb. And so then Isaac was born. Everybody say Isaac. Isaac. So Isaac was born, and he had this, this upgrade. And, and Sansa Ray did a really good job of, of digging into that story last week. So we won't, we won't go back there, but just check it out online if you missed it. Um, and so uh, Isaac is born. He goes up to the mountain uh, with the wood on his back, and right before uh, Abraham kills him, Uh, The angel of the Lord says, wait. Don't do it. Okay. so now in my mind, when we, we skip forward to chapter 25, Isaac has had this upbringing of being born to old parents who it is impossible for them to have children. So I'd imagine that they were telling their son Isaac about all the trials and the tribulations and, and the ups and the downs and all those things that, that, that came alongside with them believing God's word, that they would have a child in their old age and that, they, uh, that, that his children would be uncountable right? And so Isaac is shaped and molded in this vein. And if we look at Genesis chapter 25, let's go to uh, verse 20. For those of you that got your Bibles or your tablets or your scrolls or your tattoos or whatever you got, get that. Genesis chapter 25, verse 20, I'm going to begin to read. Here we go. All right. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethel of Syrian, uh, the and Haram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Verse 21, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. That means she couldn't have kids. She was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, pause. Rebekah was barren. She could not have kids. She had an impossible situation. She went to the doctor. The doctor's like, babies ain't for everybody. You're not going to be able to have any, right? So she is going through life in this barren state. Now, God's story, our story. I said at the outset, when we read the word of God, you should be able to see yourself in this story. And as I was going through this over the last few weeks and and just asking Holy Spirit what he wanted to say, I think one of the things that he for sure wants to say is that there may be some women in here or a couple in here uh, or listening via live stream that you have been unable to conceive. You've been unable to have babies. The doctors have told you you've got cysts on your ovaries or whatever the case may be and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and, been praying, and you haven't been seeing any results. Let me just give you a news flash. God is not a, ref- a respecter of persons, which means that he doesn't love Rebecca of the Bible more than he loves you. That he's not more able in the life of Rebecca in the Bible as much as he's able in the life of you. So, What the Bible tells us, what the Bible teaches us is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does the word of God say? Isaac pleaded with the Lord. He communicated with the Lord. He prayed to the Lord because his wife was barren and the Lord granted his plea and his wife conceived. She went from having zero kids so let's see how many. In verse 22, but the, the children struggled together within her, and she said, all is, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. She went from not being able to have kids to now she has twins. I told you guys a few weeks ago that the God of the pages, the God of the Bible, is the God of 2023. The God of the Bible is the same God that that exists today. He has the same power today. He has the same ability today. And so I want to say to you from my mouth, from, from God's heart to your heart, listen, whatever your impossible situation is, you are right where God wants you to be. All you have to do is employ the word of God in your life and watch God bring forth his promises. Watch it happen. Now, here's a little, a little bit, a little tiny caveat that I want to put in there. And that is this, that the measure of God's goodness and God's faithfulness is not based upon whether you receive from him or not, or when you think you should or not. That's not how we measure his goodness and his faithfulness. We measure God's goodness and his faithfulness because his word has never, God has never had to come back and say, hey, my bad, I'm sorry. I said I would be there and I would, he'll never have, he's faithful. He's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. Now, it may not always come the way we think, like with Abraham and Sarah, it may not always come the way we think. He got the word at, at 75, Isaac wasn't born until he was 100 the descendants. He didn't get to see all of his descendants outnumbering the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. He didn't get to see that. But that, because Abraham didn't get to see what God promised, doesn't mean that God's promise didn't still take place. We are descendants of Abraham. If you are are a follower of Jesus, then you're born into that Abrahamic covenant. That's part of what it means to be born again. So just because you don't see it in your lifetime is not the measure if God is faithful or not. not. Amen? All right. So let's keep reading in in, in verse 22. It says, but the children struggled together in her and said, if if all is well, why am I like this? So she inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, there are two nations are in your womb; Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out, he was red and hairy like a garment all over. So they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out and and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So he was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. You better take care of them babies because, man, you don't want to be paying child support at 60, bro. Like, ooh, man. 60. Any 60-year-olds 60 in the house? Any 60s? All right. Can you imagine starting all over again carrying a, a car seat, and a stroller and a bottle? Like, man, I'm going to be late. I got to make I got to warm the baby's bottle up. I was on my way. He pooped up his back at 60. Woo! Wee! Man. All right. That's a that's a tall t- So, so we see Isaac the promise is fulfilled. He was raised by a mom who was barren and unable to have kids, and something, something about, now listen, catch this, parents, something about Sarah and Abraham, Abraham's parenting enabled Jacob to pray for his barren wife in Genesis chapter 25. If you train up your child in the way that they should go, bend them, mold them, shape them in the way and the purpose and plan that God has for, your life, for their life, when they're old, they won't depart from it. I didn't write it. It's right there in the Bible. All right. Now, so now these two sons, God said the older shall serve the younger, that they will be fighting against one another. Now, many theologians believe that this is the the, the Esau and Jacob represent uh, the the Palestinian population and the, the Israelite population who are still fighting conflict today. If God said it, it has to happen. Amen. 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 See, we, we 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 like the we like the cookies and the candy and the ice cream and stuff of what God says you're going to be blessed. 2023 is your season of breakthrough. Hallelujah. And get my little, little the on right? is <laughs> God good, ha, won't it do it? You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's cool. Like, that's cool. But what about the part where he says, I don't want you to eat no red meat for the next six months. Then we'd be like, oh God, I don't know if that's you. I think, oh, I don't know if that's you, or if that's indigestion, or if I'm on the wrong frequency, or who God says, go call up that family member that you haven't talked to in 15 years. Where's your won't he do it then? We don't like the we don't like the, we don't like the joy in that part. Amen. Listen, if God said it, it has to happen. So Genesis chapter 27. This is, this is a story of, uh, of uh, Esau and Jacob, all right? Now, there is uh, 40-something verses, 40 exactly verses in this chapter, and you're going to read them on your own time if you haven't already. Everybody say, amen. amen. Say, I am going to read Genesis chapter 27, Ooh, look, some of you all was like, I ain't about to lie in church. I, that's a lot of verses. I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I mean, I can think it, but I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to say it. Read the Bible. All right. So I'm going to, am going to paraphrase this story. So Esau and Jacob. Now it came to pass when, when, when Isaac was in his old age, right? So I thought he was old when, when the babies was born, he was 60, but the Bible he was really old now, right? So he, old, old. okay. Now, now, if you're older, please don't take offense. And I said that was, that was kind of offensive. I'm sorry. Like old, old. Like seasoned, seasoned. Full of wisdom. Hallelujah. All right. So listen, we need, all, we need all of us. We need people that are in their 80s. We need people that are in their 90s. We need people that are in their 30s. We need people that are in their teens. We're all supposed to work together to, to help the world see Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. So, so Esau and Jacob, they're brothers, right? So one day, uh, uh, Esau had been out in the field. Esau was the hairy one, and he was always hunting and always outside. Jacob uh, was like the exact opposite. He was more of an intellectual, and Jacob's name actually means supplanter or deceiver, okay? That's why he came out grabbing Esau's heel, because he wanted to be first from birth. This dude was already uh, conniving, Okay. And so Esau comes in one day. He's super hungry. He's like, "Bruh, man, I'm hungry. I've been out here hunting. I've been out here chasing these squirrels and shooting the rabbits and all of this stuff. And I'm tired, man. I'm famished. So so Jacob was like, oh, you hungry, huh? Right. So he was like, well, I'll give you some stew if you sell me your birthright. Man, that's some expensive stew. Y'all thought inflation was bad. This dude selling his birthright for something that hungry. OK, so he sells his birthright to Jacob. and Then later on, uh, Isaac, calls, Isaac calls Esau into the room and his, his eyesight is going. And he basically tells Esau, he says, look, son, I need you to go out and kill some game. And then I need you to, to, to fix it the way I like it. Bring it back to me so that I could give you my blessing before I die. Now, how many of y'all got family drama? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise because you might be with them right now. And then you, no, I don't want to start any more fights. So everybody, if you have not had, you probably will have some family drama. So when Isaac tells Esau, bring me some stew the way I like it uh, so I can give you my blessing. Rebecca, his wife, hears it. Now, mind you, this is the same Rebecca who couldn't have children that w- and was blessed with twin boys. And so she comes up with the plan. She says, hey, Jacob, come here. Your dad is about to die. And he told your brother Esau to go out in the field and kill some uh, some choice game. And he's going to cook it up the way he likes it. He's going to bring it back to him. And he's going to give Esau the blessing. So what I want you to do is go out to the flock and bring me some choice goats. And I'm going to cook them up the way your dad likes it. And then you go and give it to him so your dad could give you the blessing. Now, earlier in Scripture, the Bible says that that Rebekah loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. And Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. That sounds like family drama to me. Wait, you mean they was dealing with family drama back in the Bible days? Uh, yeah. Or where do you think yours came from? (laughs) But watch this, watch this. What I, one of the things I want you to take away from this is that no matter what is happening or no matter what is taking place or what decisions are made, God honors his word. He honors his word. And because he honors his word, that's a principle, he'll also honor our word and the things that we say and the choices that we make. We don't always make the right choices, but God won't violate your will. Amen, that's a whole nother teaching. So back to the story. So, so uh, Rebecca comes up with this plan. She says, "Go bring me some choice goats. I'm gonna cook them up the way your dad's like them, and then you go in there and, and give it to uh, your dad, and he's gonna give you the blessing." Now, the blessing was significant because the Bible says that Isaac was very, 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 very rich. He had deep pockets. Like you know when you dig in your pocket, you are like your hands go right to here. Like Isaac's pockets was like all the way like deep. Like he had deep pockets. So Rebecca wanted to make sure that Jacob got that blessing. And so Jacob being the, the supplanter and the deceiver that he is, he says, hold on, mom. If I do that, he going to know that I'm not Esau because Esau all hairy, all dreaded up, smelling like bees, wax and, and turtle shells. I don't know. Right. Like he going to know. He going to automatically know. And Rebecca was like, you know what, son, you're right. I got some of Esau's clothes that smell like the field. Here, put those on, and we're going to put some furry stuff on your arms So, because your dad, he can't hardly see. Look, they're plotting this thing. they scheming together. They're collaborating together to steal the blessing. Anybody ever plotted against you? Anybody ever Anybody ever collaborated? Together against you, to, to hate on you, and you said, "Huh, oh, woe is me. Nobody likes me. <laughs> what am I gonna do?" This stuff isn't. Is, there's nothing new. It's nothing new. So they begin to plot and scheme together. And Isaac says, or or or. So, so his mom says he's old. He's not going to be able to know. So he puts the fur on him. And so Jacob takes the stew in there to his dad. And, and Isaac is like, hey, son, how did you get back so fast? Like Isaac knew something wasn't right. Right. And he says, he says, how'd you get back so fast? He says, uh, you sound like Jacob. You sound like my son. Ja- but 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 but. I guess you you look and you feel like Esau. Is that you, my son? Yeah, dad, it's me, Esau. Your oldest son, it's me. Just lying? Right? So, long story medium, uh, uh, Jacob <laughs> gives, gives his dad Isaac the stew, he eats it, and Jacob, or I'm sorry, Isaac pronounces a blessing over Jacob's life. And one of the things he says is in the, in that in that blessing is that, his his siblings would serve him. His mother's children would serve him. And part of what the the blessing that Isaac was given over to Jacob was part of the blessing uh, that God has spoken over his father, Abraham. So he's passing down that lineage, that legacy. What are you passing down to your children and your grandchildren? See, the only way that Isaac knew how he was conceived, is because his parents told him. They kept that going. They kept the covenant of the Lord going from generation to generation. What are we transferring to our children and our children's children? And so <clears throat> I want to I just touch on a couple of things here in this story. Um, one that we already touched on, but Rebecca was barren and unable to have children, and, then, and Isaac prayed. What are you praying and believing God for? We read the scripture uh, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, that whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Where is God and your conversations with him on your list of priorities? How many of y'all heard that song, Good, Good Father? Right? He's a good, good father. I remixed it right? I said, you're a good, good daddy. That's who you is. That's who you is. You're a good, good daddy. Okay, so this is why I'm not on the praise and worship team. Okay, y'all get it, okay? But God is a good father, and sometimes as a parent, your child may ask for things that they're not quite ready for, and there's a process in order for them to be ready for that thing that they asked for, And as a parent, you can always see well beyond what your child sees. And they may complain, they may kick, they may pout, all the things. But as a parent, you know better than they do. You know that they need to eat that broccoli before they can have a cookie because they can't survive on cookies. I wonder if God, being our Father, understands and knows that some things that we ask or petition him for, the answer is not necessarily no, but it just could be not right now. And see, I think as leadership in the church, leadership in the body of Christ, I don't think we've done a good job of helping you understand your relationship with your heavenly father. We've, we've, there, there's been some erroneous teaching in the body of Christ. That, you know, you know, God, he, he, you know, if you do something bad, he, oh, he's going to get you. He's, He's out to get you. Or, or we say things like, you know, he won't, he won't give you what you want, but he'll give you what you need. Where is that in scripture? So listen, as you, as you develop this, this, this. Daily rhythm of praying, daily rhythm of communicating with God, understand that he's your father, understand that he knows what's best. And the the best thing that I could do with my life is to totally and unequivocally trust him and trust his process. See, if we leave it to ourselves, we get the process all mix, mixed up. We want the cake right now. We want the we want the fruits of it right now. We want the benefit right now. But you, done, you didn't put no eggs in there. You didn't put no vanilla in there. You just, oh, ooh, I see the box. Okay, put this in, put this in. Like, and then when you cook it up, you're like, oh, this didn't work out like I thought it would. And God's like, I'm trying to tell you, just like with Abraham and Sarah, he was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to sleep with Hagar, the maid. And Sarah was like, yeah, maybe you're supposed to. Actually, it was her idea, right? And, 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 And then she gets mad at Hagar. Like, it didn't work out because that was not God's process. That wasn't his plan. That wasn't what he said. And let me tell you something. Let me just give you a quick nugget. Anytime there's an outage in your life, anytime there's a shortcoming in your life or whatever the case may be, it is never God's fault. God never comes up short. So if there's something awful or awry in your life, the person that you need to look at is in the mirror. So get in the mirror and say, God, how do you approve of me today? And what I guarantee you, he'll tell you, he'll tell you how he approves of you. He'll tell you how he affirms you. He'll tell you and remind you of how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. And then he will also say, I want I want to want you to approve the word that I've spoken over your life. The purpose and the plan that I have for your life. That book that you're supposed to write. Those group of young women that you're supposed to speak to. Those family members that you need to take the gospel to those coworkers that you need to be less mean to. See, a lot of times we think of purpose and plan and what God has for our life, and we think this grandiose thing, and God's going to give me like 50 businesses, and they're all going to make $1.2 million a year. And God is like, hold on, man, pull that back, zoom in right here, right now. Talk to your wife right. Talk to your husband right. I love it when it gets quiet. People would be like, how did he know that me and my husband had a fight on the way over here? Fine, Jesus, I'll forgive him. <laughs> I hope that's what you're saying. Now listen, God brings the promise through Jacob. Later, uh, later on in Scripture, he changes Jacob's name to Israel. So his name goes from supplanter or deceiver to Israel, which means one who wrestles with God or one who contends with God. So he continues to keep his promise. He spoke, he spoke this promise in Genesis chapter 25 over Jacob's life before Jacob was born. Now, I'm going to give you, give you a, a pre-warning here. Everybody say pre-warning. All right, that's all I'm going to say. God speaks to Jacob's purpose before Jacob was born. Could that mean that life is actually inside the womb? What would God be speaking to if there was not life inside of Rebekah? I'll take it a step further. Jeremiah says that before the earth was formed, I knew you. So in today's culture, we have this debate about when life begins and the sanctity of life. Here comes the button. And some of us, we're on this side, pro-life. And some of us, we're on this side, pro-choice. Can I mess up your religion for a minute? God is pro-life. And God is (gasps) pro-choice. No, he didn't. I'm leaving this church right now. I'm fixed to leave right now. Now, let me qualify what I'm saying. God is not in favor. Listen, watch. He's not in favor of abortion. He doesn't approve abortion or killing. But he does support your right to make a choice. He says in the word, in Joshua chapter 24, choose you this day whom you will serve. I lay before you life and death. I, I, I encourage you to choose life, but it's your choice. Adam and Eve make a choice. let everybody in the Bible has been making choices. And so one, one of the things that I was seeing in this story is that God spoke to the purpose of Jacob while he was in the womb, which means that there was life in the womb. And we, we do all this, uh, this finger pointing at if you're in a position of pro-life and we're like, how could they have an abortion? How could they? But what does pro-life really mean? Does pro-life only mean unborn life? What about when that child is five? What about when that child is 10? What about when that child is 15? That's still life. Are you in support of that life as, as hard and as staunch as you are when they're inside the womb? What about the life of the mother? You don't know what she's been through. You don't know how much trauma she's had to deal with. And in the church where we should be speaking blessing and we should be speaking healing and we should be speaking restoration, we've, we've ostracized a whole population of women because of a choice that they made. Whether you agree with it or you don't, you don't get to be the judge because that's a life too. And Jesus died for that life just the way he died for the life of the unborn. So we got to balance this thing out. See, we want a finger point. A, oh, you did this and you made this decision. What about the decisions that you made? See, when you, when you, let me just give y'all a little bit of biology a little bit. So, so when you, you get busy, you know what I'm saying, or whatever you want to call it, you, you have relations with a woman, if you're a man, what a man if you're a woman, and, and, and y'all, y'all conceive a child, everybody knows where that child came from. Everybody knows what you did. Like, oh, I know what they did. I know how she got that bump. I know, I know, I know. But what about the stuff that's unseen? See, while you're carrying picket signs and you you yelling at the TV and you looking down your nose at people that don't agree with you or vote like you or look like you and all this stupid stuff that we get hung up on, you got stuff in your life too. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, 23 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we all need Jesus. Everybody, all of y'all. You don't get to point your finger. You don't get to point your finger. So, so I, want us to, I want us to take back some of the terminology that, that society has stolen. Pro-life? Yeah, Jesus was pro-life. Jesus was for the life of the person that slept on the street, for the life of the person that, that has given a, a, a bad cancer prognosis, for the life of the person that's trying to raise three kids on their own, for the life of the person that's preparing a message and, and, and preaching to his people, for the life of every single person. People that have made good decisions and bad decisions. See, here's the deal. Can you stand up real quick? I ain't going to make you say nothing, I promise. All right. So let's say my man here represents Jesus, right? And and all of y'all are all of y'all. Now, some of us think, I grew up in church. I could quote the whole Bible from the front to the back and the back to the front. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I'm such a biblical scholar. Nobody knows as much Bible as I do, right? So you feel like you're super close to Jesus, like you're this close. you close to God, right? You're super close, right? So, so, But everybody else, you know, this person over here got a drug addiction. This person over here slapped his wife last night, and they got, they got drama. And this person over here, they like to cheat on their taxes or whatever. So those people, they're far away from God. They're far from God. Here's the deal. Romans, like I said, 323 says, all have fallen short. So whether you're this close or you're that far away, you still need Jesus in order to be redeemed from an eternity without God. You still need Jesus. I don't care how close you are, how close you think you are. Everybody needs Jesus. So that means everybody is in the same boat. Amen. Thank you. So when we look at the story of Esau and Jacob, and how God still blessed Jacob, even though he deceived his way into the birthright, he deceived his way into the blessing from Isaac, God still fulfilled his word. And so what is God saying to you? What is God saying in your heart? See, some of us, some of us, and this is, this is something that I feel like Holy Spirit wants to say to, to each and every one of us, if we're honest, if we're honest, That the the enemy has tried to wreck your life with guilt and shame. Guilt and shame, they're like cousins. God does something amazing in your life. God does something miraculous in your life. And here comes the enemy. Oh, but you remember when? Oh, you know you don't really deserve that blessing because you know you used to be toe up from the flow up and beat up from the feet up. Oh, no, no. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. And those thoughts are running around in your mind all the time. Oh, if I would have did this better, if I would have did that better, if I, man, if I could just be like this more, if I could just be like, listen, if God has spoken it, it has to happen. And so what we have to be able to do, what we have to discipline ourselves to do is to lean in to God's word and what he said. When we lean into God's word and what he said, that's the absolute truth. And we begin to find our identity in Jesus. That's where your value is tied to. Value means, it just simply means, how much was somebody willing to pay for it? God sent his very best. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die to pay the sin penalty for you. That's how much you're worth. You're literally worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how high is self-esteem that God sees you in. Father, how do you approve of me today? Well, let's first start with the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. And you got to remind yourself of that each and every day because guilt and shame will try to rob you of your identity. It will try to rob you of who you really are. And if it can rob you of who you really are, then it'll rob you of what you're entitled to or what God has promised to you. And if you live below what God has promised you and what he's he's bestowed upon you and what he's asked you to do by way of purpose and plan, then you leave the rest of us at a deficit. See, like me, I could I could I could guilt and shame all day. Oh, man, I blew this marriage. Oh, Lord, God, I blew that marriage. Like I was I was I was a womanizer. Like I did all these things. I, I can't put this mic on and open that Bible and, and preach. I can't do that. No, like, for real, I had that conversation. The guy was like, bro, who are you? You don't get to disqualify. Without, but I spoke this before the foundations of the earth. You don't get to come and undo it. And God is saying the same thing to you. See, if I was wallowing in my guilt and shame, then I would miss out on being with this body of believers. Who's missing out because you're wallowing in guilt and shame? This is bigger than just us. Everybody say it's bigger. bigger. Everybody say it's bigger bigger." than just just me. There's people that you haven't met yet that need to hear what God has placed on your heart. God is able to fulfill his purpose and plan. Here's a big idea. He's able to fulfill his purpose and plan, even though we are flawed and shady and imperfect. It doesn't matter. If God said it, it has to happen. Amen. We have a microphone on the right and the left. Thanks everybody for tuning in with us today. Stay tuned for more content coming soon. Have a blessed day.